Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. I want to share this morning, we are in the middle of our go messages. In fact, it's generosity opportunity, and then equals destiny. And so uh, we took last Sunday as we kicked it off, we do this every year, to share what we've been able to do this year through your generosity, your, your faith and obedience to God. Because we, we, we all know it's not, it's really not through our generosity, right? It's through his generosity, amen? Because man doesn't take credit, cannot take credit for what God does. And so we, we, last week we spent a little time with some video and we gave you some information just so we could celebrate the goodness of God and, and how honored and blessed we are to be a part of what he's doing on the earth, to be a tree of life to a lost and hurting world is how we say it here. And so a couple things I just want to remind you last week, generosity has nothing to do with your income. That was a really great amen. I'm going to amen myself because sometimes you just have to do that when you're up here. Sometimes you have to do that when you're preaching. And uh, so and it has nothing to do with that, nothing to do with your job. It has everything to do with your heart. And uh, we're all so glad that God is a generous God, right? So we're thankful for his generosity. But there's an expectation for us to represent him and our lives to be marked by generosity. So, um, so you can go back and watch and listen to that. But one thing I wanted to make sure that you saw clearly. It's the most important thing we do. And, you know, we're trying to gather information and numbers and we have other events and things. And sometimes we, you know, we're still, information still comes in from other places and people. I want to give you the final, maybe not the final, but an update on what's the most important thing. We are here as Jesus came. He said, I come to seek and save the lost. We're here to seek and save the lost. Amen. And so I just want an updated number uh, on the screen for the most important thing we're about here is change lives. And so you can see here, Tree of Life Texas, that would be here, uh, 2,194 people in our services around the area and our teens gave their life to Christ. Can we just give a big clap on that one? That's, a, that's amazing. We're grateful. I don't want to just come and have meetings. I want to see change lives. Amen. That's why we're here. Okay, so then uh, you can look over to the next column. Let's start there. Tree of Life Mexico, and uh, Pastor Jeff sent a report in of all the things and outreaches and services they were able. They saw over 2,375 come to Jesus, and uh, amen. That's awesome, amen. And then <clears throat> Tree of Life Nepal, you know that we have a Tree of Life Nepal. We have 37 churches there, and they sent a report, and they've seen 3,100 people in Nepal through Tree of Life give their lives to Christ, Amen. And then on the next column, you'll see Pakistan Zoom Ministry. And what happens is once a month, uh, myself or one of our pastors or our leaders are in our studio, and we're on a Zoom with a ministry that we've been working with in a remote village in Pakistan where they send a team out with a projector and a sound system. They invite the whole village out to hear the gospel, and they project it either on a wall or sheet. Sometimes it's just on the the screen of a laptop, and you'll have 100-plus people sitting around and standing around and watching and listening, and then there's an altar call. As we minister, we have a translator, and then we give an altar call, and then we pray for the sick, and God's just done amazing things. We do that once a month, and you saw through that, we saw through that 1,178 people give their life to Christ halfway around the world. Come on. From right here, right in the studio. What's amazing about that number is the ministry in Pakistan reports, has reported back to us that 80% of the people that get saved in those meetings end up in that church. 
Wow, that's, that's awesome, amen. We're, we're so grateful to be a part of that. Okay, and so all that was like 8,800 right there. And then the, the big number on the bottom, the Pakistan crusade, we had, were invited to be a part of this October. We had in one meeting, one huge crusade, people as far as the eye could see, 62,638 people gave their life to Christ in one meeting during the altar call, amen? Amazing. So, so what, what we figured, and you know, God sorts all that out, right? That's what's most important, but we want to bring a report of what you're doing is making a difference around the world. So we are a total of 71,485 people gave their heart to Christ last year through, in and through the ministry of Trila. Amen? <clears throat> and, and that's not to say, oh, look what we did. That's to say, look what God did. Because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. The Holy Spirit draws them to that place. But he works in and through faithful, generous, obedient people. Amen? And so we want to celebrate that. The most important thing, I wanted to bring you that just to make sure that we all knew what we are really about and everything we do here. Um, so this one, opportunity. Here's the opportunities as I see before us. There's going to happen more. Things will happen more throughout the year. I want to give you a little bit of a picture of Tree of Life Church. And it's important. It's a little bit different message or service maybe. You're going to hear a little bit of vision. And of course, next week under Destiny, you want to come and hear a broader vision of who we are as a church. But And this one, um, after 21 days of prayer, I always wait to see just to make sure I've had time to pray and process. And you'll hear some things for the first time. Some things you'll have heard several times because we're still working and praying and believing God. We just knew that we're supposed to pray about, right? Everything begins with prayer, right? We pray about it, we extend our faith, and then we just keep walking it out, and God's timing's God's timing. And so one of the things, the first thing I want to share with you guys is, as a church, we are a very diverse church. Aren't you glad? We look like heaven. Come on, somebody. Amen. This is a diverse church. Amen. We're blessed. And we're getting more diverse all the time. And I, I felt a couple years back that God was just doing something, and I felt it was important for us to celebrate our diversity, but more than that, to champion it. And so not everybody's been called to that. We certainly are. We're blessed to look like heaven, as I like to say. And uh, so we're thankful to God for that. But here in New Braunfels, they typically have, in January, a Martin Luther King March. And we're heavily involved in that. We support it. And we come out in force. You guys are always so great to be a part of that. Well, the weather was even colder than this morning. And so they sadly had to cancel that. Well, we really felt that we didn't want to miss the opportunity to, to just celebrate diversity and thank God for the diversity that we have. And so we are going to do a march here. We're calling it the Miracle Mile. <laughs> because two laps around these buildings is a mile. <laughs> and so it's the first Saturday of the month, which is our first fruit Saturday. And it's 9 to 10. And we're asking everybody from Tree of Life to come out. And let's just celebrate the diversity God has brought here for a reason. And then let's even go beyond that and our prayer and our singing. And we'll just champion it for the area a little bit and see what God will do, amen? So we're asking you, everybody, everybody, come on out. It's March 2nd, you'll see more information, nine to 10, which is our prayer time. We're gonna turn that into praying together, then we'll walk, sing, and pray, and then we'll wrap up with prayer. And so I wanna let you know that we're not like, so let me say this, because I wanna be very careful. We're, we're not like promoting it out in the community and all this and that, because we're like, well, since this city didn't do it, we're gonna do our own. <laughs> I don't wanna ever come across that way. We're just gonna do it here at Tree, and you're welcome to invite your friends. And so that's what we're going to do here, because I don't want the, you know, I want to honor and respect the city and decisions, and I agree with all that, okay? We're here to serve them, amen? Okay, so we saw already Easter's coming. I'm so excited. Easter, the biggest service of the year, and I wondered what it would be like to have just one service all together. 
What would it be like to have one humongous resurrection celebration inviting everybody and anybody we can? We have limits with our building and stuff like that, but what if we moved it outside of the building? <laughs> okay, you don't sound as excited as I am right now. I'm like, it's like I know what you're thinking. What's the weather going to be like? And we're going to pray for that, by the way. I know. I am too. Like, all right, we're going to be in intense prayer over that. Okay, but what would it be like to have one service with Everybody that can possibly come to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and invite everybody out outside. We got a big stage rented. We got tons of chairs rented, and we are super excited, been planning for a while, and uh, the kids are going to have a big outdoor celebration. We're going to have one, and afterwards, we're going to have water baptism and just a wonderful time as one big, giant family inviting anybody and everybody in to come be a part of that. And so I'm super excited about that. But other things are happening in that moment, certainly a water baptism. But here's what you need to know. We've been praying about this for a while as well, and we really feel it's the timing of the Lord. We've been working on it already. But it's been in our heart to reach out and connect more with our, with our uh, Hispanic community, our Hispanic friends and family. Every time we sing a song in Spanish, you guys just give this big, huge cheer or whatever. I'm like, what's that? It's like this big, huge cheer. <laughs> like somebody needs to give the grita or whatever that is. I don't Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> so, so we felt the Lord just stirring our heart up, and there's more and more people. I, I come in contact with people all the time that are Spanish maybe first, or maybe it's a little easier to understand. In fact, there's a place I go uh, a couple times a week for breakfast. I'm a, I'm a big breakfast fan, and, and there was a lady that was working there, and she said, Pastor Duncan, she goes, if you ever have Spanish translation, I can come because my, my English is not so good. And I said, that's okay. My English is not so good either. I'm like, come on. <laughs> As you guys know. And so <clears throat> um, anyway, so then sh- so I went back and we're, we're, we're going to have starting, we're going to launch it Easter Sunday. We're going to have Spanish translation through headsets like your earbuds and your phone and technology today. So we're going to have someone translating the message and the moment for those who need Spanish first, right? Now, yeah, Amen. Now, that's the time for the grita right there. I'm not really sure, but maybe that's it. I might use a little bit of my own Espanol. You never know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, and we just have this sense of it's just going to open the door for a lot of your family and friends and people that would come, you know, to, to hear it in that, that way, right, to connect a little bit more. And, but let me be very clear. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not creating a Spanish service, right? So we're going to launch a Spanish translation during... An, in conjunction with our service, they're going to happen together. And we're also, after, after Easter Sunday, then every Sunday at 9 a.m., the 9 a.m. service, we will have a team. We're working on it, building a team that will have the technology and capability for everybody that wants to, to be able to get on headphones and all that. We'll have a team, a translation team that will work every Sunday, 9 a.m. to make that possible. And so uh, we're just, we're going to see what happens, right? We're going to jump out there. So I'm excited about that. But also, um, every time we go to Mexico, of course, my Spanish isn't so bueno. So every time we go to Mexico, they all think I can speak it because Pastor Jeff can, but it's so funny. But anyway, so we go down there and they have amazing translators and there's someone that Really, we've just fallen in love with, and he's the translator primarily. His name is Santiago, and he's a pastor on the staff now. And so we were there last time talking to he and Pastor Jeff, and we thought, hey, Pastor Jeff, what would it be like if we could bring Santiago up Easter Sunday and let him do our translation the very first time? So he's going to come meet with our team over the weekend, our translating team, and he's going to actually do the translation for Easter Sunday morning. So we are really, so at least it'll be really good Easter Sunday. <laughs> we'll see what happens after that. No, I'm just kidding. So if you're interested, and maybe you have skill sets, because if you know anything about translation, it's not just literal. 
right? And you have to understand the, when you add the Bible and you know, spiritual dynamic to it, it's different as well. Um, you can contact the office or you can go to the Welcome Center if you want to be, somehow be a part of that. There's a lot of other aspects to it we're working on, um, but that's where we're going with that. But I want to make very clear we're doing translation. We're not starting a service, and, and, uh, but just so you know and you can be inviting people to that. Okay, so that's happening all Easter Sunday. Uh, along with uh, Easter weekend on that Saturday, you heard we're having a, an Easter egg hunt for uh, families that have children with special needs. And so we see all the time the, the, such a need around. And you know the Night to Shine was amazing. And we had 88 prom kings and queens and 250 volunteers. It was just so, man, it was just so, it just, I don't know, it just really grabs your heart. Um, amen. Well, if you're going to clap, clap. I mean, come on. It's like, what's up? Not a golf thing. Like we're at a golf tournament. Please. <laughs> so uh, I had breakfast, uh, trying to have breakfast every Friday with my, my daughters and my grandson. And uh, really, uh, my grandson, but the girls get to come. And uh, <laughs> right, grandparents, right? You know that. And uh, so uh, when we're in this restaurant where I typically go, uh, we were seated and had put our order in. And a lady came up to the table and said, Do you, are you the pastor of Tree of Life Church? And I looked at her and said, maybe. <laughs> so one time you're tempted to lie. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, I am. And she said, well, my daughter would like to say something to you. So her daughter gets up from across the restaurant. I stand up. And she recognized her from the night. She has special needs. And she came up and said, thank you for the prompt. It just gave me the biggest bear hug in the middle of the restaurant. This touch, so touching. I didn't cry in the restaurant. I only cry in front of you guys. I don't know why. It was so touching, just this huge hug and just thank you for the prom in the middle of the restaurant. And I thought, thank you, God. I know we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Amen? I know God put in our heart a vision and, and for uh, ministering to families that have uh, someone in their family that has a special need because 90% of families that have a child or someone that has a special need are unchurched. And it's because churches just typically can't healthily uh, minister to them. And um, it's, you have to be really sensitive, and they, they, they face so much rejection and things around that you, you just want to love on them and do all you can. And so you've heard me talk about this over the years because we're just, we're constantly keeping that in front of us and praying and believing God. And we've built a sensory room for the younger children over in our, our, our kids' wing. We need to remodel and make some other, because those kids get older, Right. And, and then they, they get older as from the elementary into the teens, and we, we want to minister to the family and to the kids, but, you know, you need someone that has some a heart, you need someone that has some training and some skill sets, and, and so God brings us people, and we have a wonderful director, and so if you have um, within you the education training skill set, and you would like to help be a part of that, then you can go to the Welcome Center and let us know, but we feel that there's something more. We're not sure exactly, but we're just going to walk it out. There's something more that God has for this church. And, and, and you'll know, and maybe it, it was in the announcements, but it probably wasn't, but coming up soon, we're also the host site for the regional event for Special Olympics for the cycling. It all happens right here. And then for the second or third year in a row, we're also gonna be the host site for the state of Texas Special Olympic cycling race here on our campus. And so God's just opened up doors in so many ways that we never, never sought out. So we're gonna do more. So 
Having said that, things like happening in the kids' wing, last week you heard a number. We put a cumulative number that over 11,000 kids that we ministered to. Now, that, that's not 11,000 separate kids. In fact, if you came every Sunday, your child might have been in there 53 times, right, in that account. And then if so, let us know. You get a gold star. <laughs> and, but we have, uh, just so we could see the impact that we can have on kids in the next generation, and so we have the facility, we have, I know, the generosity, and I believe we have the heart to be able to help minister to the next generation. So I'm going to say this, one of the opportunities before you is to serve. Everybody needs to serve somewhere here. And so we need to remodel that wing a bit because there's a lot we need to invest in in the kids in the next generation. It needs to be remodeled because we need to do some things for our special needs ministry and more with our kids' ministry, but also, uh, it's probably been about 15 years that this really started in me, and I started pursuing it, and then God put a stop to it, and it's been kind of bubbling up again for a while, and I really have this sense that we're supposed to, we created a task force already, and we're investigating what would it be like to have a daycare. Yeah, thank you, you had, thanks for the delayed clap. <laughs> had me worried, like, if nobody clapped, I'd have just like, okay, forget that one. <laughs> But, but I really feel the Lord, and we're just, so we sit in an area of New Braunfels, if you don't know New Braunfels well, it's District 1, and District 1 is the most un, underserved, under-resourced district in New Braunfels, and we're right next to Morningside Elementary, whom we help, and they have a lot of underserved, under-resourced, at-risk kids that go there. We do our coat drive through them and some other things, and so um, we just thought for a while, like 15 years ago, we kind of started investigating, and it just really rose up in my spirit again, so we're going we're gonna to just start investigating. What would it look like if we were able, because we had the facilities with some things we need to do, to make and create a daycare where people can come find a safe place, especially in this area, and come and, and be blessed by it. It's not, to, it's not a revenue stream. It's an outreach. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to be salt and light in this area, right, and love on families and help families. And so we're, we're going to start in the process. Of course, we're looking at all that. If you have a skill sets or education and training in that, let us know. Um, along with that, um, this is something that my wife and I, when we were over in the Ukraine, uh, we uh, connected through our Ukrainian family here. We connected with uh, Oleg and Lena, and I won't even try and pronounce the last name, but we connected with them. And they head up uh, an organization, and part of their organization ministers to uh, kids that have been displaced because of the war. And I think the war now started its third year, terribly, horribly, and we need to keep praying. Amen? And so they, they had a ministry called a Healing Trauma Club. And, and what the Healing Trauma Club would do would, would gather kids in a particular city uh, that had been displaced by the war. And really, everybody's impacted by the war. They didn't have to be displaced from another city to come there. People in that city have, you know, men went out to fight in the war, and they're impacted in, as well. And so they created a program where uh, for 10 months, they'll take 100 kids and an after-school program. And we helped sponsor one in the city of Berejani. And so 100 kids would come and be a part of this healing trauma club, which would be a 90-minute program one day a week. 100 kids would come, and they would come and have 30 minutes of Bible lesson, Bible story, memory verse, and then 30 minutes of learning about uh, having a robotic kit, learning about it, and then 30 minutes of putting it together. And so many wonderful things have come out of that. And so I really felt in my time over there with Oleg as we were looking and seeing and praying and talking with him, it was an amazing program, and I thought to myself, I said, well, kids all over the world face trauma. Kids right here in our backyard, in our church, face trauma. How can we apply these principles, because I thought it was just an amazing program. How can, so I was talking with them, wow, this would work 
this will work in my church. And he said, yeah, we're hoping to get everything translated into English, and then we're going to be looking for a church to be the test case. And I'm like, I'm right here, I'm right here, I'm right here. <laughs> and uh, so we're, we're going to be actively working with them to see how could we bring the after-school program for at-risk kids. And, but to better explain it to you is to see it and hear it from them. So direct your attention to the screen. Though the war has brought pain and trauma to the nation of Ukraine, we believe God is bringing healing and wholeness. We've partnered with Reduga Ministries to help bring trauma healing centers to the city of Berezhani by way of an after-school robotic and discipleship program. Robototechnika впливає на дітей дуже добре. Ну, це їм розвиває як мислення, їм якось розвантажитись після тяжких занять в школі. Їм це подобається, вони завжди раді нас бачити, коли ми до них приходимо. На початку вони були зжаті, дуже зковані, їм дійсно було дуже важко, бо деякі діти, що я особисто знаю. Їм це допомагає просто розгрузитися, переключитися, забути про це. Лего орієнтований на дітей від 10 років. В контейнері є три частини з різноманітними деталями, контролерами і приводами. Програмується, створюється програма на основі моделі. Якось так, дві складових. Дві складових планшет і конструктор. Блоковою системою програмування, виробником створені моделі, які діти Можуть збирати, вони є різноманітними, головне купити, наприклад, банальний робот, що тут описано про цього робота. Трішки далі ми можемо зустріти, та бувають деколи моменти, що вони складають не то, куди треба, але їхня допомога дійсно дуже сильно впливає на це, бо їм ж потрібно допомогти якось себе знайти в цьому житті. Після навіть того самого раніше сказаного, що вони побачили, їм потрібно якось вернутися в нормальний дитячий світ. Ось це їм дійсно допомагає. Hey, Tree of Life, we're super excited to be here in Bergiani. And right here behind us, we have a group of kiddos that are um, participating in the trauma healing camps that you helped provide. Yeah, your generosity is enabling this program to go on for the next 10 months for 100 kids throughout the week, every week will come and be a part of the Healing Trauma Clubs. We just sat through the Bible lesson, so they taught the word to the children, and then now they're putting it into practice with their robotic class. And through that is how the healing comes, and they talk with the children as they're putting each piece together and um, really just helping them process what they've gone through. Well, they started with a memory verse, and they all did great, memorized the scripture, and then they talked about it and talked about their life through the scripture, and then they moved into the robotic part of it, and now you can see the excitement and them working together and see how it all comes together, and all that helps them just process the feelings and emotions. And several of these children are from very far away. Yeah, as far as 600 miles away. In fact, one little girl is from occupied territory. It was occupied when her family was there, but they were able to get out. Hello, my name is Polina. I'm from Kachovka. The city where she lived is still occupied. So we were vehicle this couple of camps. 13th April 13th last year, they they were able to escape from the occupied city. 
І ти б краще тут була чи поїхала додому, якби була можливість? Якби була можливість, поїхала б додому. If, if, I, if, if it was my choice, I would rather go home. Дякую. Asking the kids, what, what do you love about this program? They said everything. They look forward to it every week. So thank you for being so generous, enabling this to happen for these precious kids here in Ukraine. Yeah, it wouldn't happen without your love and your prayers and your support. Yeah, God bless you. It was in June when they went in, they destroyed my building. Then I saw my building on the internet. І для неї дуже болісно, бо там залишилася її кімната, її іграшки. В нас було таке, що вона пройшов рік, а вона згадала, що там якась іграшка. Я вам хочу сказати, війна не скінчилась, потрібні ті заняття, вони дуже потрібні. На цей навчальний рік ми плануємо хоча б набрати 11 груп. І в тих 11 груп охопити до 150 дітей. Amen. Thank you for supporting the club over there in Barajani, number one. Thank you for your generosity. It's coming up on a year, I think a year, 10 months is coming up, but we'll have to, uh, you know, again, get the support out to them. But I sat there and I looked at that and I thought, thank God we could be a part of that here, but trauma's everywhere. And I thought we could bring that here to Texas, right in our area. And then I thought, oh, dream with me for a minute. And I thought, wow, we could, we could do that in Mexico. And then I thought, wow, we could do that in Nepal. And then I thought, wow, it just works everywhere. And I thought, okay, thank you, Lord. What a, a big, huge vision, but what a big, huge God. Amen? And so opportunities for that, after-school program here, and then potentially around the world. And so we're really excited about that. And, and speaking of uh, India, um, India, speaking of India, speaking of emissions, and uh, I got a, I got a uh, a video sent to me from our good friend over in India as we support an unreached people group. And we saw an update last week, all the amazing things God is doing. But I don't know if we know this and how could we, would we, but um, your generosity enables ministry to happen in places where it is some of the most difficult places on the planet. And things are changing constantly. And so again, it's so good that we pray and we give because we're able to help them do uh, the, the ministry in the most difficult of situations. But I want you to hear this press conference by government officials in uh, a state in India, close to where we do our work. And, and the, the, the thing about the work there in uh, India is because they can't openly preach the gospel. They go into places in tribal, remember the word tribal, go into places and villages, and they ask, is there anybody sick? And they pray for them, and God miraculously heals them, and the gospel then spreads like wildfire because you can't reason away a miracle. And so now they're trying to ban all that because so many people are getting saved because God's doing miracle signs and wonders, and they're trying to and make it illegal for healing, which I just I can't even still fathom that. But so, that is so important, and this is what the air, an area that God has called us to, for whatever reason he saw, he called us to be a part of that. So thank you for your generosity. In fact, in April, my wife and I are going to be going over, we'll be in India for a, a little bit, and then Nepal. And so uh, the head of the ministry that we work with over there has invited us to do, uh, invited me to come do and train pastors and leaders. I'll be with about 500 pastors and leaders 
and very humbling and very honoring because of what they face, that we don't understand the per what persecution is. And so your generosity enables us to do that. We have an opportunity to go over there and then go to the area where our uh, people that we support are to be an encouragement and share your love and support with them. And then on the same trip, we're headed over to Nepal. And in Nepal, we'll connect with our Tree of Life Nepal, who if you did not hear the announcement before, uh, sometime before we shared, has now been registered with the government, legally recognized Tree of Life Nepal, and so enabling us to do a lot of things in that country. Again, it's primarily Hindu and Buddhism, and there's an anti-conversion laws. And so we have currently 37 churches in Nepal. Uh, we have two amazing directors in country uh, men, and you'll see their picture right here. So this is Govinda, he's the director, and the next one, and his wife, and the next one is Peter and his wife, and he's one of our directors. And they're amazing, and they're laying the foundation, we're establishing a foundation, because an organization can only grow as strong as the foundation is. And so we're gonna meet with all the pastors, and then there's five to, 500, we had to cap it, so many more wanted to come, and we'll have to figure out another way. But 500 coming, pastors and leaders coming, uh, many of them wanting to be a part of the organization. But we're going to just share vision and do some training and praying together. And so you can be praying for that. Uh, along with that, in Nepal, speaking of opportunity, you'll hear at a later date, but we are taking a team to Nepal in either October or November. And it's a team, we can take people there, and there's, uh, they're already working on the trip. There's VBS planned with like a 1,000 kids. There's uh, a youth crusade with like a 1,000 teenagers, and we're going to be helping do construction on two churches. We're going to do some other things. We'll get you more details as it gets closer, but you can already be praying about that, and that's like October, November. Um, our Arbo de Vida uh, trip is in July, or the end of June, and then the first part of July. You'll hear more about that, telling you the opportunities that are out there. And then Arbo de Vida, Pastor Jeff, is going back to Cuba again, and he's taking a team from his church and has invited us to come and participate, and that'll be December, December 5th through 10th, I believe, and so you'll get more. So I'm just sharing opportunities with you, but I want you to know that God is just moving and working. He's looking for faithful men and women that will say yes. And we can't do everything, and we say no to a lot of things, but we have to do our thing. Did I say it right? His thing through us, what he wants to do through this church. But it takes all of you, all of us, working together. Amen? It takes all of our generosity, um, and, that's, and generosity is not about your income. But if we all do something just with a generous spirit, it amounts to enough. And uh, I just want to encourage you in that. And then now we're looking, this week is opportunity. And so these are the things that are before us. And there's be others and other things will come up. Oh, one thing, I just looked at my notes. One thing that stood out, I, for, I failed to mention. This is one of the biggest things I feel like is on my heart for this year, or at least to begin the process of this year. And I've mentioned it before. But we're talking about ministry to kids, and we're talking about ministry, um, you know, increasing our ability to minister to families that have children with special needs, after-school programs, daycares. We need a playground. Come on, parents, you had a chance right there to like, that's right, Pastor. Let me say, okay, like I've never said it before, we need a playground. That's awesome. Put that on the recording. Put that, the other one, edit it out. Put that one on the recording. We need a playground. We do. And so to get a playground that we need to encompass the ages that we want to reach, to encompass those with disabilities, to encompass those with special needs, it's no small feat. But we serve Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> and he's no small God. He's no small provider, amen? And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. If we got to believe for something, let's believe big. 
that God can come, and it'll be used in so many ways to minister and be a blessing to so many families. And so um, we have talked about that years past, just praying, and we're diligently praying and looking at different things. And I felt it was time to really, maybe we're going to put some groundwork, some feet to that, but um, without even trying to you know, pitch it out there where we're going to start raising funds, if you will, whatever that looks like. Uh, we've already had people being, been giving towards it. We had $26,000 already in a playground account, so, which is really a drop in the bucket for what we need. <laughs> but it's a good start, amen? You got to start somewhere. You give God what you have, and he multiplies it, amen? And so we're excited what God's doing. So there's so much more I would love to share, but I have something in my heart I feel is important to get to this morning. You know, uh, we serve a generous God, and we serve a God that is not only just generous with everything, that we serve a God that he loves people. And that's because, the generosity is because of his love, right? The, the, the love he has for us, the love he has for others, and he extends it that way. And Jesus is our example in generosity and in serving, and our opportunities to serve, and we hope all of you signed up to serve here because we can only minister to so many people. So, so as a pastor, I'm not praying, God, send us servants to the church. No, he already did. I'm not praying people to come. I'm not praying in people to come work in the kids' men. I'm not praying in people to come to work in a special needs ministry, youth ministry. I'm not praying that in. They're already here. He's already brought that. I'm praying for people that have that passion and those skill sets and calling to step up into the serving mode now and to be a part. That's why you were created. That's why you're wired the way you're wired. It's why he gave you the gifts, spiritual gifts, natural gifts he gave you that are to be used, not just out there if you're doing that out there, but also in his house to help further his kingdom. And Jesus sets the example. I want to take a look, guys, at Luke 22. Now, your, your uh, live notes will have a lot of scripture we won't get to today, but Luke 22 24 through 27, message paraphrase says this. Within minutes they were bickering, and here they're, they're arguing who is the greatest among them. Uh, within minutes they were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest, the disciples with Jesus. But Jesus intervened. Kings like to throw their weight around, and people in authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not gonna be that way with you. Let the senior among you become the junior. Let the leader act the part of the servant. Who would you rather be, the one who eats the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat and be served, right? Now listen to this next phrase. But I've taken my place among you as the one who serves. Jesus, the son of God. I've taken my place. He says, my place is as the one who serves. Therefore, if that's his place, who are we to say it's not our place? He's the son of God. He's the Savior, the Messiah. And so if it's Jesus' place, it would be our place. We, to be like Jesus, take the place as one who serves. That is a part of how we are created. God wired us that way. He created us that way. And we are never growing like we should or fulfilled like we should or content like we should or blessed like we should until we're doing what we're created to do, to take the place as one who serves. And when you look through Scripture concerning serving I want to just give you a few things you need to understand. Number one, a servant puts service over status. I mean, look at Jesus again, son of God. He, he said, I came to serve, not to be served. He, he put service over status, and if there's one who could have put status there. But look at what it says in, in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Listen to this. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. I love the wording there. Forget yourselves long enough. Why? Because we are wired and born to think of self first. 
He says, forget yourself long enough so you can do some good. Right? Basically, right? Because our culture and society says, no, it's all about you. But God says, no, it's all about others. I love that. You have to forget yourself to do some good. Uh, number two, uh, you need to understand, uh, servant, a servant puts inconvenience over convenience. Inconvenience over, when you serve someone, they don't do it on your schedule. They don't do it when it works for you. That's the whole point of serving is do it when it works for them. So we'll be inconvenienced, inconvenienced to serve. And it doesn't matter. So, okay, real quick, story of the Good Samaritan. Most of us probably know that story, right? Good Samaritan. In fact, that's just a word and term used in the world today, not even associated with the scripture. But in the scripture, there was a, a wounded person in the road, and it says two people walked by. One was a, sounds like a joke. One was a priest, one was a Levite. <laughs> And they walk by, priest and Levi. Levi is like a priest in training, a Levite, like a priest in training. And here's this religious leaders, and they walk by the hurt person. And I'm sure, and it says they stepped across the road to get to the other side to go around them. Now, because they're good church people, my guess would be, oh, Lord, somebody help. I pray someone comes and helps that guy, in Jesus' name. But I got to get to the meeting, right? I mean, you're right. You know what? I'm going to pray for them. Hey, you see that right there? Let's just pray for them. Let's pray to God bless them. And I don't mean to be ugly, but I know I've done that. Can I just say it that way? I've done that. God help them. God bless them. God do something. And the whole time he's like, yeah, that's why you're going by them right now. That's why I sent you on that road. And here's an example of two people that have been in, in church their whole life, if you will, and they're just, how many times do we stretch with our hand at the store or somewhere else and here and say, Lord, just help them, bless them. I'm, just, I'm gonna pray for them. And he's like, well, that's good, but why don't you do something? Because you're a servant. And so it's important that story is a powerful one to tell us that. We're not just to walk by and say, we're pray for him. Good religious people do that. We're supposed to stop and help. Because Jesus said this, if you want to save your life, you have to lose your life. And, and, and when I read that scripture, and I was studying for this, if you want to save your life, you have to lose your life. I, I thought, did we just equate that with salvation? Then that's just a one-time thing. Oh, been there, done that. But I don't believe that to be true. I, I believe when you become saved and born again, you're saved and born again, but then now you have a responsibility because in that moment, everything about your life until you give your life to Jesus is about you giving your life to Jesus. Everything after that moment is about you helping others give their life to Jesus because somebody helped you. So in that moment, if you lose your life, you'll save it or find it. To me, it's like I've, I've given my life to Jesus, but now how about in the moment when things are happening and I need him to save me, not my salvation in heaven thing. I need you to save me from this situation. What about in that moment? If you want him to save you, then if I interpret that scripture correctly, I'm already saved and going to heaven, but you want to save me from this circumstance, you want to save me from this moment, then I need to find somebody else to serve and to help and add more value to. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. If you want to be lifted up, you have to humble yourself. If you want to be the greatest, you have to be the servant. If you want to be first, you have to be last. And number three, servants put we over me. Servants put we over me. They think of the big picture and they think of others. I want to take a look at John 13, three through five, the message. Jesus knew that the Father had put him in complete charge of everything, and that he came from God and was on his way back to God. And so he got up from the supper table. He's in the upper room with the, the disciples, have, disciples having the last supper. Before, he's before he goes to pray in the garden, before he's taken and falsely put on trial and beaten and crucified. So he got up from the table, set aside his robe, and put on an apron, verse 5, 
Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples, drying them with the apron. Now we're familiar with this story, but understand the timing of it. So he knows, right? He knows, we just saw that. He knows what's gonna happen. And yet in his most difficult moment, can you imagine? We, We know that when he's praying in the garden, he's under such stress and strain that he's sweating great drops of blood and he asks the Father if there's another way, but nonetheless at your will, I'll do it. But So he's in this emotional moment and the thing that he does in his most difficult time is serve somebody else. I mean, I don't know what you would be doing at that time, but I'd be curled up in a ball in the corner or whatever, rocking back and forth. I don't know, but I don't know that other people would be my first thought. It'd be all about me and why me? But Jesus, our example, the most difficult moment of his life, decides the best thing I can do right now is serve somebody else. And I love that picture of Jesus because it's so wonderful for so many reasons. And we know the story then. It's not long in that, in that moment that he gets down and washes their feet. And I want you to think about this for a moment because I think it's important. He's washing the feet of 12 men that he's walked with for three years. He knows them. He also knows what's gonna happen into their future. And so Jesus, in his most difficult time, he bends down and he washes the feet of a betrayer. He, he bends down and he washes the feet of a denier. He, he, he bends down and washes the feet of cowards that run and turn their back on him. He knows everything that's gonna happen, and yet he served them still. It didn't matter what they had done or would do or looked like. It was more important for Jesus in that moment to serve them. I think sometimes when we look at the need around about us, we kind of read what's in there, right? We're trying to figure out if they're worthy of our service, maybe. Maybe that's not the right word. If they're deserving, maybe that's not the right word. If, if there's a history there, we, we'll, we'll contemplate what that looks like, right? And, and may, right? So we're, we're into this thing trying to figure this out, and Jesus is like, hey, this is a betrayer, it's a denier, and the people that ran and turned their back on him, and he served them anyways. What's amazing to me also about that story was Jesus gets down and he, washes his disciple, the disciples' feet. But hours later, we see another water basin. I mean, the only two places you see in the scripture a water basin, they're mentioned in a sense, there's, they're connected. Jesus, as he washes the disciples' feet, he gets down on his knees, he washes, their, uh, he washes their feet, and then you see another moment. Jesus is now standing in front of Pontius Pilate, who is the governor over the Roman governor of Judea, and he is charged with the responsibility to decide what to do with Jesus. And everybody's yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And if you know the story, Pontius Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. And then what Pontius Pilate does in that moment in the water basin is he The Bible says he washes his hands. What does he do there? He says he washed his hands of the responsibility of someone else, where just hours before, Jesus knelt on the ground. And it didn't matter if they were betrayer, denier. It didn't matter if they were gonna run and hide from him. He took responsibility for others. So Jesus kneels down in the water basin and takes responsibility for others around him and Pontius Pilate stands in and washes himself, his hands of responsibility. What will you do? What will you do? 
Because we're around people all the time, whether we feel they're deserving or not. God says, because I've created you and when I've put in you, you need to take responsibility for others. You are your brother's keeper. You need to take responsibility for kids. You need to take responsibility for families that have a special needs child. You need to take responsibility for people in India that are sharing the gospel because now there's healing's even illegal. What will you do with your water basin? Well, you use it to take responsibility of people around, even the ones you don't know, that don't look like you. It's interesting if you follow Pilate's story. Pilate, after that, he is called back to Rome at some time, and then he's encouraged by the leader, by Caesar there, to take his life. Pilate kills himself, takes his life. When you compare and contrast the two water bases in the two stories, Jesus who kneels down and takes responsibility and washes the feet of everyone around him. The betrayers, the deniers, the ones that would hide. He gives his life. Pilate who refused to take responsibility washes his hands. He ends up taking his life. What will you do? And when I mean taking the life in today's terms, I don't mean by actually taking your life, but you've taken your life in your own hands, if you will, and it's never gonna be what God intended. What will you do? Because the reality is for all of us, we're walking around with this. When you go to work, you're walking around like this. When you go to the ball field, You're walking around like this. Wherever you are, you're carrying a basin of water and you're carrying a pitcher and you decide if you'll wash your hands of responsibility of others around you or if you'll kneel down and take responsibility for those around you. What will you do? What will you do? I believe this is a place that knows what it is to wash people's feet. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.